welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. As always, we are looking at 11 games here, Nate, on February the 10th, Friday, to end your work week. We are going to be bringing you a couple game videos and our player props as we're bringing you each and every weekday. So like and subscribe to that page. And this one, we're taking a look at the 76ers playing host to the New York Knicks. Also, I want you to head to thelines.com. That's where you can check out all of the great written content we have for you guys. And use that odds finder tool out there. Make sure you're getting all the best odds available to you guys across these U.S. sports books this season. Nate, let's go ahead and get into this 11-game slate and then talk about our game, 76ers and Knicks. Yeah, it's the day after the trade deadline, so it's going to be a bit of a mess, uh, you know, searching through who's actually going to play, who, who got to town, who cleared a physical. Uh, but we think the games we highlighted, we at least have a good idea here. Spurs at Pistons, nobody really cares about that one. Plus three, are the San Antonio. Then we break down Knicks, plus five and a half at Philly, total of 229. Suns with all those guys, um, you know, shipped out. I mean, they, Durant's not playing until after the All-Star break, and they're plus one on a back-to-back in Indiana. Hornets plus 11 at Boston. Celtics listing a number of guys as questionable. Though. Jazz plus seven and a half at the Raptors. Uh, Wolves are plus nine at Memphis. That game, to me, really hinges on whether Rudy Gobert's going to play. It seems like he should. Rockets plus 10 at the Heat, who have a ton of guys questionable. Luka is questionable for the Mavs. Could see the first Luka-Kyrie uh, tandem, and they're plus two at Kings. And then the other game we break down, Thunder plus four at Portland. Total of 242 out there. A two to- 229 total for this matchup. Uh, I-, I imagine that's going to be bet down uh, as we record this here on Thursday night. I can't imagine people are at all interested in the over after seeing the way these teams played each other last time out after the pace at which they've both been playing at. In fact, both their games were played, their their previous games, at an 88 pace. Boston and Philly just dragging one out. The Sixers only allowed 10 free throw attempts, which I didn't even know was possible in a competitive game in the NBA anymore. But they, they, you know, they held Boston in check and... Their Embiid and their offense was not able to explode dis- despite Luke Cornett being out there for most of the game as the Celtics missing their centers. Uh, but the Knicks have really gotten back to playing that that Tibbs drawn out style after you know surprisingly a lot of shootouts. I mean that one with Brooklyn overtime with Lakers. Since then, three and one to the under in their last four. Pace under ninety two. And where they're scoring is a bit of a concern. I mean, not in the paint. Uh, no Mitchell Robinson still here. And the fifth highest percentage of their points are off threes. And, and Philly is actually an elite three-point defense this year uh, in general uh, and, and limiting them very well at home. I mean, the, the lineups both these teams are going to throw out here, it's kind of mirror images, uh, right? It's Jalen and Julius pick and roll. It's Harden and Embiid pick and roll. And then two, three and D guys in the corner. Uh, I mean, whether, whether that's their skill set or not, that's what they're relegated to like quickly just sitting there with a tiny usage rate, uh, Jericho Sims. And, and then you got PJ Tucker with his 3% usage rate out there for the Sixers. And there's just a lot of ways that the offense can sputter, even if Embiid and Harden continue to put up their, their 35 and 20 and, and do their thing. Um, it's just hard to imagine the entire team lighting it up. I mean, Maxi has really cooled off off the bench, and maybe it's some of that's the matchup, right? I mean, playing Orlando twice, but this is what Philly does 
in division games like this because there are so many black and blue games in the Atlantic. Since 2021, I mean, they're going under at about a 60% clip in the division. 60% clip when they have a rest disadvantage too. And I think that's the bigger thing here that makes me lean both Knicks and under. Um, I, I like the under more than the spread. Let me be clear there. But Knicks having two days off here. Uh, versus the Sixers playing one of those hard no, hard knocker games against against the Celtics and just being in a bit of a rut since Embiid Embiid's MVP showcase there against the Nuggets their last five their offense has just been very ho hum uh, highly dependent on free throws and while the Knicks are giving up a lot of free throws lately I think they can limit that and I think the Sixers can limit what the Knicks have been in, trying to do in terms of get it going from beyond the arc. So I don't think we'll see a lot of points here just like five days ago when these teams met. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be fair to to the numbers that that draw your eye about them being slow and sluggish on offense in the last five for the 76ers, two of them came against the Magic. Uh, one was against those Knicks to help our point here. <clears throat> and then that Celtics game that we thought might have a few more points, uh, maybe we should just listen to the Sixers and when they tell us that when they play Eastern Conference teams uh, to this capacity, they're going to go under. Uh, they they had that over versus the Nets. Uh, that was like a, a Saturday night game. They ended up, I think, in overtime and having like 270 points in that game. Uh, but it was expected to go 224 and a half. There was a couple guys missing. So when Embiid is in and the offense is give him the ball. It's a pick and roll, but like 70% of the time that you roll with him and he's rolling, give him the ball. Uh, that That is the offense, and James Harden has conceded it since the beginning of the season. Good on him, to be honest. Um, and, and when it is that style of play, and the Knicks have shown, to your point, they're down to sort of keep one guy on Embiid and then one guy with an eye on him, but never just collapse with a double team because they're happy to keep the shooters off of him. They know that Embiid is going to tire. They're happy to let him have like 20 points at halftime and be, you know, the one shooting the ball 17 times in the first half, et cetera. Like, that's fine. And the thing they can't do is give up 19 free throws like they did last game, which still didn't kill them because James Harden, who usually averages close to 25 against them uh, since he's joined the 76ers, only had 12 points in that game going over four from three. Uh, and the Knicks really brought it in the second half in that one. So, you know, take what you will from that one. There was no RJ Barrett either. Um, not that I really think that that has a huge impact. I think, he'll, you know, he'll be fine in this game uh, and, and his normal impact. Uh, but the point being, like, he's not really impacting necessarily the, the amount of points that they're scoring and it does just feel like you said because of the, the slow pace that they're playing at uh both these teams i mean the Knicks slowest pace like you said back to their ways slowest pace over the course of uh well pretty much the season uh but the last five on the road playing at that 93.94 pace is really in- interesting especially because they're playing they're so bad on defense right now with that 125 defensive rating uh in those games but you look at who they were playing on the road i mean they did keep the uh the magic to under 100 points then they played a Nets team who went off a Celtics team, you know, in Boston, we know what they do. Uh, and then the Raptors just own them and a Hawks team. So like all these teams are these super fast paced, not rely on big men to score for them or be the focal point of their offense. Everything comes from the wing. And that's just not the style that the, you know, the, the 76ers play the magic same way. They, they, it's not like they're going like guard, guard, guard. They're going big man, heavy, a lot of mid range, um, but a lot of big guys shooting over other people, hopefully as close to the room as possible. Same as the Knicks essentially, right? Like Julius Randall, even Jalen Brunson wants to 
get inside and do his work in there. And if Embiid's standing there, then that's just not an option for him at that point uh, nearly as much as it would be. So um, I, I think they just both these teams know each other. You know, Tibbs knows exactly how to do uh, what he needs to do to, to slow down this offense uh, and this defense. You know, they, they've really I think there's a little brother syndrome for them with the Knicks. Like they've owned them for seasons. They've been atop the division well above them for for seasons and seasons. Um, and so they're you know, that continues to be the way that when Embiid plays them, they know that he's always far and away the best player on the court. Uh, and and the, the game goes through him. It slows it down. The Knicks have been limiting free throws a little bit better just to finish it all. Ninth best on the road in their last like 10 road games uh, in terms of limiting the opponent free throws, um, but also getting to the line only 20 times a game themselves, uh, which keeps the game from, you know, slowing down too much. But neither of them are trying to fast break. So you can just depend on everything just being slow, half pace, uh, half court offense. Uh, keep this game to under 230 for sure. Yeah, that's the thing. The Knicks don't exploit what Philly's biggest weakness is, which is transition. Uh, they're like bottom six, fast break points, points off turnover over the last couple of weeks. And yeah, if it's if it's going to be a half-court game, I think both are comfortable because they're playing through Brunson the way they're playing through Harden on the other end. Um, but yeah, big brother, little brother. Recently in these spots, I've been leaning towards yeah. the Knicks uh, because yeah, they're 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 no longer they're they're seeing that number with that how bad they are against teams above five hundred and starting to respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Philly just kind of in the funk in in a long letdown here again since it, since they got so up for that Nuggets game. It, the the not the, I mentioned the numbers against the uh, total. Uh, when they're on a rest disadvantage or when they're in these divisions games, it's the same thing against the spread for them too. Uh, you know, so we're right on the right on the average margin of victory for them in this spot at five points per game. I would lean towards Knicks uh, and the under, and maybe yeah, it is an opportunity to tease it because plus nine and a half. As long as the Knicks are are competitive, um, I don't see them by losing by too much more than that in Philly. I mean. Yeah, a lot of these road results, they're they're far and away, you know, they're, they're on the West Coast or whatever. But a, a Knicks-Philly game is really just like almost across town. Sometimes. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's a four-hour bus ride. Not that I'm sure they're taking one, but if you did want to uh, to look that up. But yeah. Four-hour bus, 90-minute train. 90-minute train, right? Yeah, exactly. You just got too much traffic on 80 over there. Yeah, I want to target this Blazers game. And I know they're, they're going to be worse for the wear long-term without Josh Hart and Gary Payton, like literally – what are you doing, new GM, uh, other than, I guess, trying to just have an entertaining product on the floor for the rest of the season and then play another long game because this this was the biggest weakness of the Blazers is their perimeter defense, and he traded away your best two perimeter defenders. Good job. Uh, for Cam Reddish, a guy who's just going to be another gunner, uh, you know, best-case scenario, hopefully hits a bunch of threes alongside Damon Simons and I, I don't think you can feel comfortable taking an under on um, the Blazers until further notice based on this. But, I mean, they do have some guys coming in that I trust to man the front court at least and, and not make it, you know, a total red carpet to the rim. And, and defending the rim is really what you have to worry about with SGA and the Thunder. I mean, they're shooting such a lower percentage on the road as well since the start of this year. 36% versus 45% at home from deep. It's scoring 10 points per game fewer on the road for them. I really, you know, I talked exactly this, the same game when they were going to golden state earlier in the week, just that like, yeah, we worry about the thunder covering the spread, but that's when it was like eight or nine as road dogs. And now they, they, because they have that reputation and they're getting four, 
uh, they're not that good. I mean, they, they're a team that people used to rest their guys against. Like, yeah, they beat the, the Nuggets without Jokic and Murray. Couldn't handle it as, as road favorites yet again in Houston. Uh, and then, of course, they get smacked by the Warriors. And so now they're getting that respect again because they won at the Lakers. And that's a different, you know, that's a one-off in my mind. That was their Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, they, they, the young guys stepped up in a big way. Jalen Williams, the second most points of his career. The team shot 50% from three. They shot 18 for 20 at the line. It was all the pressure on the Lakers and the Thunder just having fun playing with house money. Uh, but that's exhausting for them too. And now third game in four nights at, uh, still on the road here where they're just far worse in terms of, in terms of offensively and where they've been really, really bad in the clutch and, and bad in the clutch, wherever they were aside from even including that Lakers game, they're still 28th in net rating in the clutch the last six year. And guess who's number one, Dame time. Uh, Damian Lillard, who was very visibly pissed uh, when he saw that Josh Hart we're just kind of shocked that Josh Hart was shipped out of town because again, what are, what are we doing here? He, he thought, you know, we were turning the page at, with Portland. I mean, in any case, he's, he's playing like a superhero. And I think if he has added motivation, cause he's pissed about anything, it, it, it's trouble for OKC. He's been cold against them in his last three. To me, that means he's, he's due, not that they have some sort of recipe. And I mean, OKC is not defending point guards well at all this year, six most points per game to them. So I think Dame, I think I would look at some player performance doubles here because it is a bit of a skeleton crew. If Cam Reddish isn't ready to play, of course, it's it's just going to be Dame. Huge usage rate once again, doing it all. 30 to 35 plus in a win are definitely some player performance doubles to look at here. All right. <clears throat> Hear you on all that. The only thing is I don't think they can stop Shy. Shy Gilgis either, by the way. It's Shy, not Shay. But I don't think they can stop SGA uh, the way they haven't. I mean, I, I know this is a little bit of a stretch here, but the Thunder have beat the Blazers four games in a row. Now, the last two, um, really the last three, were at home. Um, Dame didn't play in the first two. You know, last season, Dame was, you, we know what was happening with him. He might have even, like, played a little bit in, in one of those matchups in April or whatever when he got back for, like, a game or two. But it was it was pretty much nothing. Like, he was still nursing that abdominal strength. So uh, the the two in um, in December that were pretty much back-to-back in the middle of that Blazers slide, I think they lost, like, seven in a row at that point in time. Um, Dame was in both those games and, and he did go off enough, like not necessarily off in terms of Dame going off, right? Like in the most recent one, uh, we're talking about 28 points for him in 39 minutes, not like the, the most Dame efficiency or, or even, you know, uh, total, but you know, in the one before that 16 points where he was kind of held. Now this is all, you know, at home, like you were saying uh, some splits for the thunder. Um, this, that game was kept low as well, where, you know, it wasn't sort of your typical blazers, um, and, and really thunder style game, especially in this set. Setting, where it's now the Blazers back at home uh, and you really yeah I would be scared to take an under uh, on them going you know at home the problem was is they were they were playing a Bucks team last time and they still went over uh, against I'm sorry they went under against that Bucks team because there was such a massive total of 241 but that that was pretty easy under that we both talked about in that game as well just because you know the the and like we thought the Blazers didn't come along for the ride only dropping 108 points that night so um, they're not playing the, <laughs> the the Bucks at home they're playing the Thunder who as you mentioned are just a leaky defense uh, at that point where they just give up points all over like all over the floor it's the di- it's different the point the free throw attempts um, and points in the paint obviously where they get big boy now Nurk not being there is fine but you can I mean I think Jeremy Grant's still going to have a, a field day against guys in, in this lineup 
especially where I think you, you, there's a couple guys out for OKC that obviously the Dort's still out, but Jeremiah Robinson Earl still out as well. Um, so you're going to be seeing a lot of like Kenrich Williams trying to get big and Jalen Williams trying to get big, et cetera. And obviously Giddy Gidey gets his rebounds, but uh, that that does leave them open to I think a better, a much better and bigger front court for this uh, for this Blazers team at this point. And, and Drew Eubanks has been balling by the way uh, pretty well. So like giving him his props in in that sense, um, solid pickup by the way in fantasy if anybody's looking for a quick streamer. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that the the, the idea of, of of the Thunder stopping the Blazers not there. But I also think Shy is going to get into the paint, and and that's where also the the um, the the Blazers are going to be ext- extremely vulnerable in terms of Nurk not being in there to stop points in the paint, second chance points available for the long rangey guys that attack the rim for uh, for this Thunder team, and then Shy getting into the lane and doing what he wants like he has against most teams, and then especially against this tiny little front court or back court rather. Yeah, I mean, here's your mistake thinking that Nurkic is a good thing to have against Shea Gilchrist Alexander. No, you got Eubanks, Nasir Little, and, and Trent Watford, who really got a ton of experience last year, as if, you know, it was like the JV team playing the entire second half of the year, and those guys got their time, and, and they're going to be playing a lot harder, at least you can guarantee, than a guy like Yusuf Nurkic. Um, and I think SGA is going to get his. He got his in both of those matchups, but it's the home road thing you got to look at more. Uh, that Portland, you know, both these teams score 10 more points per game at home versus on the road and shoot a much starker percentage. Portland's defense is awful wherever they are. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think there is plenty to think about it over here, or maybe that kind of same game parlay is say, you look, both SGA and, and Dame are getting theirs tonight. Uh, but I mean, Portland. With those three guys in the front court, just the hustle to be able to shoot eight for 27 from three and have a terrible assist to turnover ratio, but out rebound Golden State, beat Golden State, uh, even with Poole and Clay going off. And, and it, you know, it's all Dame. It's triple double and 16 for 16 at the free throw line. He just, he will not lose 37 points per game over the course of a month. I, I would just much rather take that guy and the number one clutch team than OKC to to replicate what they were able to do at the Lakers. Yeah, especially with, you know, a small spread. You know, I completely agree. It hasn't really moved uh, too much, I don't think, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it started uh, at, at basically this, four, four, three and a half. So it's going to be probably hovering around there for the most part. And, and I think that's because, it's, as we say, uh, properly, properly priced. Some people want to bet on the, the Thunder a little bit, I imagine. Um, but like you said, it, it's not like they're covering eight-point spreads right now. They're, they're, they're expected to, to keep this game close in the end. And just a few free throws after the, the Blazers, you know, get up and, and Dame does his thing is good. But uh, I would rather kind of, you know, bet on, uh, you know, like you said, these guys to score 242 and is still a very high total I, I really just prefer to look at dame and shy and, and how i think they're just going to kind of go t- tit for tat in this one uh, all their way to both getting over 30 points probably some nice specials uh, on that one as well so you're listening to the lines.com podcast network looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top u.s sports books all in one place then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better.
bringing you four props here that I think are reliable and has something to do with the trade deadline here in this first one. I mean, Halliburton and the Pacers are hosting the Suns, who are on a back-to-back, who do not have any wing defense now with Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson gone, waiting on Kevin Durant, who's still injured, not going to play until after the break anyway. Uh, I mean, the the Suns were not really able to to put up much of a fight in Atlanta last night. And Trey Young was the catalyst that that just kind of picked them apart. 36-7-12 for the point guard. Uh, So I think Halliburton is a good way to target the entire Pacers offense without trying to get specific on who's going to torch these Suns. Uh, I do like the Pacers here at just minus one if it's going to hold around there. Because I, I don't think the Suns, they just don't have the numbers. They don't have the uh, the gas in the tank to play on a back-to-back here with just Chris Paul. Uh, Devin Booker should be back for this one, however, to, to keep it competitive. So that is a positive for Halliburton, uh, getting double-digit assists. A plus 115 for him to get double digits, for him to go over 9.5 assists, is really fantastic odds at DraftKings. I mean, he's a guy who averages 10.7 dimes at home, double-digit dimes in five of his last seven at home, the one he did not get there, two he did not get there. I mean, they're, they're matchups you can kind of expect, Toronto and, and his old team, Sack, who obviously was geared up to try to limit what he does. But Phoenix has been below average guarding guards uh, over the last week or so. I mean, really the last 15 games, I think, for them because of guys in and out of the lineup. And, I mean, without Mikel Bridges, it's going to be a pretty notable drop, but we've only seen that one game so far. So I think definitely target his assists. His threes, for him to hit three threes, is also plus 115. I like that a little more. I mean, averages about three threes per game wherever he is. Um, I, I think this one, if Booker's cooking, could have a little bit more scoring potential. But I'm just not touching his points at 18.5 yet. His usage rate is still pretty low since he came back from that elbow injury, getting 15.5 points. But still one of the best passers, facilitators in the game. I like him to follow up what Trey did, just setting up uh, his teammates and maybe not scoring as much as Trey did last night against the Suns. Looking at Pelicans and Cavs here, and the Cavs are an elite defense, uh, but C.J. McCollum is kind of the counter. For that, I, I mean, even against guards where Cleveland is more vulnerable than they are in the front court, they, they give up almost nothing by the numbers. But CJ has found a way. I mean, he had 25 points on 36 usage uh, in his debut against the Cavs when he was with the Pels last January. First game and first matchup in this situation is what I'm saying. Um, previous one, 21-7-6 with Portland uh, when the Cavs started to become an elite defense. Earlier that season, only 28% usage. And yeah, his usage was skyrocketing without both Zion and Ingram. It dipped back as they tried to acclimate Ingram in that first three here. But now the the Pels were able to snap out of their funk. And then they got another win against Atlanta by letting CJ cook. I mean, 32% usage rate did not shoot the ball particularly well. Eight for 23 from the field, but did hand out seven dimes. The ball was in his hands a lot. Uh, and that led to a win. Uh, so now in his last eight, averaging 22 points, six and a half assists or so. I like combining the two, 27 and a half points assists is nearly even money at DK. Not much worse for just the points at 21 and a half. He's just so reliable getting around 20. It's just a question of this getting a tick over than you might expect. And the Cavs being on the road here is a huge factor in terms of them not shutting teams down. Uh, Donnie Mitchell also kind of liked to finally get cooking himself after resting an easy one over the Pistons. We know what he does on extra rest. His prop is 24 and a half points. So I look for both these shooting guards 
to counter each other um, and, and for this to one to be surprisingly high scoring, perhaps. Uh, but in any case, yeah, CJ is, is the man for New Orleans. So bound to take an under at some point. I'm going under with Lamella Ball, 23 and a half points. And kind of like the under on his threes here, three and a half is plus. They're both about plus 100 or a little bit better. Because Lamelo is chucking, uh, fair enough. I mean, the Hornets don't have much else, but numbers take a little bit of a dip on the road here. He's in Boston tonight. He <clears throat> averages just under 22 on the road versus 20, almost 25 at home. So he did have some pretty good scoring games against Boston at, at home. These teams played back-to-back last month in Charlotte. Uh, but, the, you know, it's a different story now in Boston. The Celtics playing at a 94 pace in their last five at home. Defense is a pretty good 110 rating. Could have their interior guys back, Rob, Will, or Al Horford. And still no Marcus Smart, which has surprisingly affected their offense more than their defense. And so the Celtics are not playing these high-scoring games uh, that we saw in Charlotte. Also, Tatum had 51 in that last one. And that was when Lamella was able to to come back and hit five threes to to probably get most of his points there. I mean, but he still went in his previous two against the Celtics, one for 12 from the three-point line. So they know how to force him into some bad shots. In that game where Tatum drops to 50, he shot eight for 23 from the floor. He was a minus 18. I mean, it's not winning basketball. And that's the biggest problem here is that the, the Hornets have lost seven straight to the Celtics, four straight by double digits. They, they're, they're getting owned by this team and they're, I mean, frankly, not trying to win games at all at this point in the season. They've lost five straight at this point, and um, I, I think the Celtics can have their way with them, depending who suits up. I mean, Jalen Brown might not be in, but and and Smart's still out. But I think the Celtics have enough depth with and and with Derek White and Brogdon guarding Lamelo. Uh, I think they have enough to force him into more bad shots and potentially pull away so that he's not playing the fourth quarter and. So under on the points, maybe the threes, maybe the PRA, if you do think it's a blowout. But I think he's just not going to score that much. And close it out with a pretty unknown guy, I guess, Drew Eubanks for the Blazers. Wanted to take Dame, and I'm still, I, I would not hate anyone for taking 35 points, which is where Dame's prop is at. He's averaging 37 over the last month. I think if you take that, you should take it in a win. I think if you take it, you should parlay it with SGA over 30 points because you're going to need the Thunder to come along and force an exciting high-scoring game. I don't think there's going to be a ton of defense in this game at all after OKC trades away, excuse me, Josh uh, Portland trades away Josh Hart and Nurkic is out and Justice Winslow is out and they traded away Gary Payton. They have literally no uh, good perimeter defense now. So Eubanks is going to step in for Nurkic, as he has been the last eight, averaging modest 8.6 rebounds, a couple assists. So 18.5 PRA seems kind of high. I think maybe you just want the points 8.5 because of what I'm saying here. This total is 242, and I don't think either team has much to defend with. OKC's third game in four nights. They're coming off an emotional letdown after getting way up to play the Lakers on LeBron's record-breaking night. So I, I do think this game will be very freewheeling in terms of getting stats. Um, and if Eubanks gets the number, if he gets the minutes, he gets the numbers. He's, he played at least 32 minutes and three straight against OKC, totaling 50 points. So 17 points a game. Uh, that includes a 27.14 rebound game uh, when he was basically the focal point in March against OKC. Both teams were tanking at that point uh, two seasons ago. But, you know, it shows you what he can do. He's a talented offensive player from the Spurs pipeline. 
Um, and, you know, he's going to slide into that Nurk role a little bit. And nine points is just very low for a guy who's, who's you know, going to play when he got 32 minutes without Nurk when he played the Thunder. Nine points, seven rebounds, you know, pretty modest. But a- again, the lack of, of wing options right now for the Blazers and the spot the Thunder are in. I think both offenses will have an easy time producing. I think Dame will be setting him up for some easy ones so that he gets at least 10 points. So four player props on the board here. Check out the lines.com. Use our prop finder tool to find all the best odds for your own bets here and monitor that, that injury report, those trade deadline news as we head closer to a big 11 game slate this Friday. And until we see you next, happy betting. 